I want to read you a piece of scripture, and then I'll, I'll share a little bit uh, where I'm going to go with it. But I want to read you this little, one of my favorite pieces. I always say that. Why do we always say it's one? But it is. Whatever you're studying on that particular time, it's always one of your favorites. Amen. I love all the word, really. Well, uh, but some of it I love more, it seems like. Some of it I, uh, I take a liking to more. It's easier, easier to digest or, or it's just got a gracious way about it. You know, I, I love Leviticus, but it, sometimes it don't go down so easy. <laughs> you know, and, 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 I, and I've learned some things just don't preach very easy. And, uh, but anyway, so uh, anyway, I want to read this out of 1 John. 1 John tonight, little John, chapter 1, and of course, these will be very familiar scriptures with, with you on Wednesday night. We've been talking about, we've been talking about it, and, and it's kind of bringing it into an area where I'm going to finish up, I think, with, uh, over the next week or two, but it, we've been talking about practical ways that, to, to fight sin. Uh, that's what, about, we just had a little Bible study on it over the last six, seven weeks, and uh, we've, we've hashed out several things, but... Uh, it's kind of come to this point, and uh, I want to share with you a couple of thoughts tonight. First John chapter 1, starting with verse 4. Verse 4. Let's go there. And the Bible says this, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message we've heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. At all. If we say that we have fellowship with him we walk, and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. That's powerful. All our sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, I want to stop right there a minute because that's really, that's really those my thoughts there. If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he says this, he is faithful and just. To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. Amen. I, you, you love these scriptures too, don't you? Amen. Amen. Brother Angle, would you bless the word tonight, sir? Father, in the name of Jesus, we hunger and we thirst for your righteousness, which comes through your word. Hallelujah. And through your blood, through your mighty name. And we just ask you to take a bigger place than you've ever occupied in this Wednesday night. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, Got to tell you this little story. We actually talked a little bit about it at the back door uh, a little bit earlier, me and Brother Keith and a couple of us. But uh, how many members what last week? I know it's hard sometimes. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But last week we was talking about one of the practical ways that we, we come against sin or fight sin in a practical way. Last week we talked about self-control. Self-control. Y'all remember? 
self. I'm just going to go on a K because I know how minds are. If I wasn't the one preaching it, I wouldn't remember it either. Unless I wrote it down. I'm serious. My mind is like that. It's like shredded cheese by the time I get a week out. But, uh, but we talked about self-control. And, and wouldn't you know it, every preacher in here that, that's ever preached a message, one message, when he preaches a message, usually before the week is done, before the week, before another week has come and gone, he's tested in the very message that he preaches. Most every time, most every time. I, I can almost say amen almost every time to some degree. So I preached on self-control and I, and I preached it best I could and I believed every word of it. And, and of course we had our big eating on Sunday and, 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 and Cindy gathered all our stuff up and, and leftovers for this week, you know, because we, we are leftover bunch. We like leftovers. We love, I know some of y'all don't eat leftovers. Uh, well, you, you, you'd have got really skinny at my house when we growed up because I'm going to tell you, we, we, Grandma would do a big thing of beans on the cook stove on Sunday or Saturday or whatever, and we'd eat on them suckers. And usually about Thursdays when they really got good. They'd get really good and thick. and, and man, uh, Gravy, I thought it was like gravy. She'd op- open up a biscuit and put that bream gravy on top of that biscuit. It was better than the beans. <laughs> Poor folk. Amen. You know, we, we was the folk that would roll our toothpaste up in the roll. Poor folk. You know what I mean? Y'all, y'all thought it was empty. See, I don't even do that. No, I'm still, I'm still not well off, but I don't do my toothpaste like that no more. I, I get aggravated and just throw it down. But I can remember, I remember, I thought we done squeezed the last little bit out of it. Y'all remember that? And you could, you could just get the right pressure on it. You, actually, if you took, uh, this is a little secret I learned, if, up there at the end where it was solid, if you took and bent that, it was a whole bunch would shoot out. Yes, you've been there, ain't you, brother? You've been there. You could get a lot out of that upper end. But, but poor folk, poor folk. Well, anyway, we took all of our fixings home, and, and there was just a dab of Kathy Jones's chicken and dumplings left. And, and Cindy got her, a, 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 got us a bowl of them, but it was just a dab, you know. It was probably what it was kind of meant to be was probably where we would both get a little taste with whatever else we was eating. Well, I, I don't know. I just been thinking about them chicken dumplings on Monday. I thought about them. I was out running around and doing some things, and I'd worked pretty hard. And and you know, working boys they get hungry, and and and, and I come in, and of course I, it was about two o'clock or something like that, and. And I was hungry already, and I know Cindy was going to be a little later that evening. And I, I said, I'm just going to go on and eat. And, and I opened that refrigerator door, and there was that little bowl, just a little bowl of chicken and dumplings. And, and I looked at them, and I held them up, and I took the lid off, and I looked in there. And, and, and I, I said, well, I put out about half of them on a little plate. And it, I said, there ain't nothing left. There ain't not much there. And, and, and the whole time I was losing my battle with self-control. And, and before it was over, before it was over, I was weak. They were so good. They were so good. And before it was over, I done had them all raked, and I knowed I shouldn't. You know what I mean? I knew. I knew. Cindy, Cindy really wants some of these chicken and dumplings. I raked them all on my plate. I ate them all. 
I eat every one of them. No self-control whatsoever. It didn't dawn on me until I was about the last bite. And I remembered, self-control. And I said, my flesh was really weak. And I felt really guilty. So, but, but I didn't know how to break it to her. And I didn't want her coming home and finding it. Because, man, I, that's when you would really pay. I said, i got to find a way to ease her into this. So I, I put a little thing on Facebook. Of, of that empty bowl. <laughs> where, where she would see this empty bowl. And I said, I may or may not eat all of Kathy Jones's chicken and dumplings. And Cindy may or may not be mad at me. So she had the rest of the evening to kind of filter, filter, filter. Long story short, which I never do that. She comes home, and yeah, she was upset with me, and, and she said, I can't believe you eat all the chicken in there. And I told her, I said, I was weak. No self-control. So, so that brings us to the, the point tonight. The, the Lord is so gracious. He is so orderly. He's so in sync. Tonight, I preach on true confession. Good <laughs> If we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, I want to say that all that's fun and all that's well and all that's true. And that's a light way, a very light way to look at something that's so much seriouser, so much seriouser. But I believe this tonight. I, I believe that confession of sin is, is as big and as huge or an important, a practical principle to put in sin to death. This is written in Holy Scripture. I do. I believe that. Now, I believe, I believe we live in a culture and in a world that, 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 that has set it to the side, has set the practice of it to the side, and we found other ways, and I'll show some of them tonight, found other ways to, to, to try to deal. How do you, if, if we don't confess our sin, how do you deal with your sin? That's the question. If we don't confess, how do you deal with it? Well, that's the point. That's the point. It is the confession of the sin that it helps, that takes the dominion, the power away, the strength away from the sin. That, 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 that is enslaving. That's where we started with this. This whole Bible study has been built around Romans 6, 13, 14, all that about, about not letting it have dominion. Power, strength over you, not letting it enslave us. And since there's no one in this building sinless, there's no one in this building perfect, there's, there's no one in this building, no, not one, there must be a way. There's got to be. And, and this scripture, I think, makes it as plain as all get out. I believe that. And it's one of the reasons I think. I've always, I've always, ever since I've, I've, the first gospel message I've ever preached, I've always encouraged, encouraged that altar time. Not just one particular thing or not just some specific, sometimes yes, but, but, but for people to be open and be able to come and just open their heart up. And it might not even be anything that I've preached, but, but a time of, of talking to God and even confessing. 
Because it's where the power, it's what strips the dominion away from whatever it is. Amen. I believe that. I've always pretty much every service we have in this building. I don't know. There's very few that there's not time to come to this altar. And, 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 and no, a lot of folks, a lot of folks, they're not getting saved every Sunday. No, but a lot of them's coming up here confessing things that's went bad, bad wrong this week or last week or in my life or yesterday or today. There's this time to get together. I mean, Scripture is full, like the, like the Scripture we got tonight, but Scripture is full of promises to them that confess their sin. Full. Proverbs, Proverbs 28 and 13 is, is a lovely Scripture, lovely Scripture. He that covereth his sin and shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And there's many, 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 many more. But here's what I want you to get to. I've seen no promise. No promise of blessing. No promise of life. No promise of goodness. No promise of grace. No promise of anything of such nature. Anything good in this Bible, in this word, for them who do not confess their sin. No promise. Nothing. When we hold on to it or we try to deal with it in other ways. There's no promise in excuses. There's no promise in excuse-lading, crossless explanations of why I'm where I'm at. There's no promise in that. It might bring comfort to your own soul for a moment, but it's like vanity. It's like a vapor. It's gone. By the time you get up tomorrow, it's gone, and you got to come up with these new set of excuses and explanations that are crossless. Because if you go to the by the way of the cross, it'll be confession somewhere. There'll be confession. You cannot go by the way of the cross and not find confession. I believe that. We 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 are sold unto sin. That's what we come into. The, we're so, and the end of that is death. And it, it's, it takes more than just mechanics. It takes more than just coming to church. It takes more than raising a hand. It takes more than even dipping, getting dunked in the river. It takes more than all the things that we, we do mechanically. It takes a practical confession of what's going on in my life. Sin under the Lord. I believe that tonight. It takes confession that, 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 that confesses the atoning work of Jesus Christ's blood that cleanses us from all sin. It takes that. How can we be cleansed from all of our sin? Lest we confess it. Unless we bring it out to him. I believe it. I believe it tonight. I believe true confession. I believe this all in my heart. I, I, I believe true confession is, 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 this, is this confidence. It's a confidence that God is faithful. In other words, it's a confidence, it's a confidence that he is just, he is faithful. To, it's, a, it's a confidence that he's going to forgive. I, I, confession is awesome because I'm confident in it. When I confess, he forgives. He forgives if it's true confession. If it's sincere, if it's not, if it's not driven by some fleshly or some some something something that's 
alternative of the cross? It's the truth. It, 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 I have this it, it, confession. Confession is, 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 is the time where God is able to take and cut the cloth of grace for a covering upon our life. And any other way, I believe it's what the old prophet said. I believe Isaiah said, I believe any other way, the, bed, the bed's too narrow and the covers are too short. Without confession. There's not enough grace. Grace is what covers us. Grace covers us. And without confession, there's no grace. No, there's none. I believe that tonight. I believe that on. And I believe this about confession. I believe this is it. I believe this is it. This is what, this is, this is what makes it sincere. Confession that's sincere is, is, is a commitment to God. When we come and we confess, we're, we're, we're saying, God, I, I'm committed to what you're going to change in my life. It's not just asking for forgiveness. No, it's, it's, it's that. It's asking for the covering. But I know you're going to change. This is going to be transformation. This is, this is part of what's going to begin to change. Of what needs to change in my life. It's a commitment to be changed by Jesus Christ. It's confession. I believe it. Amen. Our culture has got this mindset. In a lot of our churches, it's, it's, it's that, well, I, I, I'm just sorry I messed up. And then we move on. That's not confession. That's not. That's not the confession. That's not, that's, that's not enough according to Holy Scripture. It's, it becomes just, just a crossless appeal that I can feel accepted even in this situation. Amen. Amen. Put my preaching to the choir. Amen. Amen. I believe that tonight. I really do. Our confession's got to go far beyond just wanting to be accepted in my present position that I'm in. Amen. Amen. Uh, I was reading this story, and I want to share it with you tonight. And this is really the kind of the, the heart of the message because and there's so much. I've got way too much, and, and I didn't. I, I just, I just pushed it aside. A lot of it, and and, and actually, I may even do a, another part on it. Uh, but I want, I want, I want to look to this little story in Exodus, Exodus 32. Uh, most of you, this is a great story, and this is where I will even close tonight. Already? No, not really. Already. This is. I said, this is where I will. <laughs> I, I get in the car sometimes, and and that don't mean I'm not going far. <laughs> This is where I'll end, but I'm going somewhere. Exodus 32. Y'all remember this story? I'm not going to try to read all this story, but I'm going to highlight a couple things because it's important. This is what, this is, I've always loved, I've preached several messages out of this Exodus 32 story. But remember, remember Moses and even Joshua was up on the mountain with him, laying, you know how Joshua would always hang out with him. When Moses is up on the mountain, remember getting the Ten Commandments? Remember that story? And when, and, and when the people, people saw, remember when Moses delayed to come down the mountain. You know what? Uh, this, this is a thought that, that, that comes out of that even. That's a whole lot of an analogy of how we act today waiting on Christ. There's this delay. And that's what the people, the people were struggling that, that, with this delay of Moses. Moses is slow to come back. And even over on in the story, the people, the Bible says that the people rose up 
to play. And, and of course, they've done a lot, of, a lot of perverse things in this story, a lot of vile things, and we're going to read a couple of them. But, but, but it was because of this delay, and I, and I just thought, what, what, what a, what a, what a parallel of how we are. We're waiting on Christ to come back. And, and the, the, the significance of this story with our life, as we wait on him. But as we saw, as, as the people saw that Moses delayed to come down off the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. Now, remember this, Aaron's supposed to be their high priest. He's their priest. I want you to just put that in your mind. He's their priest. Amen. So they gathered him, and he said, they said unto him, up. I like that. I, I, I'm going to try that on Sunday in the morning. Up. <laughs> probably not until the dumpling thing's over. I'm a, I'll probably wait a while on that. Up. <laughs> Coffee, woman. Up. Probably not. <laughs> up. Make us gods, they said. Which shall go before us. As for this Moses, like we don't even know who he is anymore. I mean, he ain't been, it's not like he's been gone for years. We don't know who he is anymore. This Moses man that brought us out of up out of the land of Egypt. We we don't even know what has become of him. Where is he? Verse 2. And Aaron, Aaron said unto them, This is our high priest. Aaron said, Well, well to break off your golden earrings, which are in your ears, and, and your wives and your sons, and you to bring them to me. And the people break off these golden earrings and it were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And they, he received of them in their hand and fashioned it. I, I want you to get the story. He fashioned it with a graving tool. And he, he, he's making, he made this molten calf. Molten calf. And, and they said, these be thy gods. And, and, and Israel, oh Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Things is going really wrong in this story, y'all. Verse, verse 5, he says, and when Aaron saw it, he, he built an altar. They're a high priest. A lot of, see, the reason I'm really, because I understand leadership. I understand where much is given, much is required. I understand how, and, and, and I'm, really, I'm really putting a lot of this on Aaron because they went to him first. Now, that was their, their issue too, but I'm putting this all on Aaron because he should have broke out one of his best messages when they wanted to make a God. Or when they said, well, what have you done? You know what happened? No, he should have broke out his best me message about Moses is coming back. You know, he should have brought out the second coming to Moses soon. You know. But, but he did none of that. He did none of that. And, and, and he made this proclamation. He said, tomorrow is the feast of the Lord. And then verse 6 and 7, and then we're going to jump. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings to this old bull, this old golden calf. Brought peace offerings and people sat down and to eat and to drink and they rose up to play. It was crazy chaos. And now, and now, see, Moses is on the mountain, and the Lord tells Moses, "Get thee down from these people, these people which thou, which you brought out, Moses, of the land of Egypt. They have corrupted themselves." Now I want to fast forward just to jump a few scriptures to save time because this is really where I want to get anyway. And jump over to verse 14 or 15. It says this. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto this people. which It was going to get bad. Verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain. He's coming down the mountain. Now he's got the two tables of, of testimony which were in his hands. The tables were written on both their sides. And, and on the one side and on the other they were, writ, were, were they written. 
and the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. Verse 17, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, they, they, were, they were coming down the mountain and they were having a full-fledged party, I'm going to tell you. He said to Moses, this is the noise of a war in the camp. It sounds like, it sounds like war. It sounds like all-out fight. I mean, no, it was. It was. It was. And when jo- uh, uh, There's noise of a war in the camp, verse 18. And he said, he said it, is, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. But it is the noise of them that sing, do I hear? And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp that he saw the calf. He saw the bull. Moses, carrying the, the Ten Commandments that they had done broke, most all of them. In this one party. How many know people can break about all the commandments in just one party? Huh? You ever been to just one party and break them all? Come on. Amen. Y'all done got Wednesday night on me, ain't you? Amen. And he saw, and they were dancing. And, and Moses' anger waxed hot. The meek Moses. Just so everybody knows, in case I get angry sometime and you see me, just remember this story. The meek Moses got so angry, he waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of, I felt like this was his mindset. They done broke them all anyway, I just will break them. It was a good message right there. He just broke the tablets. He said, y'all done broke them all anyway. What's too rock sock? He just Amen. Amen. Man, that's a good illustration, maybe for Sunday. Amen. And, 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 and he break them beneath the mount, verse 20. And he took the calf, which they had made, and he burned it in the fire. And he ground it to powder. Listen, this is what he's doing. Man, this is Pastor Moses. He's tearing up some sin. Grinds the bull. Grinds it. To a powder, strawed it or strung it in the water, in the water. And listen, I'm like, I'm like, how did he get away with this stuff? And he made the people of Israel drink it. I just passed your mind. I was just thinking, you know, I was just thinking, man, wow, you know, you know what. Well, I know my granddaddy or my dad or whoever, they used to make me do some things, you know. I won't mention many of them because most of them were humiliating. (laughs) Amen. That I had done wrong. You know, it's kind of like that sleep in the bed that you made. You made it, you sleep in it. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what's going on here. Verse 21, and this is it. And Moses, here, Moses is going to question Aaron now. And this is the part that comes in. Because if, if you want to see the last next three or four verses, and that's where I'm going to stop and, and, and jump in with a couple of thoughts. Here, you want to see, you want to just see bad confession. What do you do with sin? Well, if Aaron, Aaron just missed it. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you, sorry wasn't good enough. But Aaron just missed it. He, of course, he missed it. Yeah, he sinned. He failed. But I'm going to tell you, he missed it when he could have got it right. Okay, you might miss it, but you've got to get it right when it comes to confession. 
You've got to get that right then. Yes, you might miss it a hundred more times, but you've got to get it right when it comes to confession time. This is what Aaron, here's what he said. He said, what did this people do unto thee? What? what? what that thou hast brought you, Aaron, you brought this sin upon. You're the man in charge. You brought this sin. What has this people unto you thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Now, listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. Aaron said, let not my anger of my Lord wax hot. You know these people. You know these people that they are set on mischief. You know these people. Sounds like workplace stuff, don't it? For they said unto me, make us gods. which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we, we don't know. We do not know what has become of him. And I said unto them, well, whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. And so they gave it to me. And listen, listen, I, I cast it in the fire and, wow, kaboom, shazam. <laughs> What's your best shocked face? And it, it just come, it just moseyed right on out of that fire. And we know the story with the graving tools and the shaping and the making. And we know it. We know how that even applies to our life. Things that we've shaped, that we've made, and we've graven. And 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 sometimes, and sometimes we're like, what well, it just it just happened. Dang. Well, here's, here's, here's a couple of things that I, I just want to bring out tonight about true confession. Because I believe this. I believe, and I believe this is so relevant to our culture. There was a hundred, not a hundred maybe, but there was ten or twelve really great stories on confession. Pharaoh, Saul, or bad confession really. Saul, Balaam, Achan, some, Judas. Bunches of bad, but this I felt like really, really stuck our culture, stuck our mindset for this. Hey, oh, this is, and this is one of the oldest ones. So many thousand years ago, but people ain't changed and sin ain't changed. But the good thing is God hasn't either. He has not. And he still is faithful. He's still faithful to forgive when we get confession right and this is a story that really shows us what true confession is by really showing us what it's not it really is one of the things I want you to see tonight true, true confession does not name others if it's really true confession I, if, I, if I was really coming to an altar that God has drawn me to and had been dealing with me about Maybe for a month, maybe for a day, maybe for an hour, maybe during that message. It don't matter. It doesn't matter, the time limit. But that God's been dealing with me. I don't come to an altar with true confession 
wanting to wanting wanting to 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 point out others. Wanting 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 to name others. To in a true confession, pointing fingers is not there. In true confession, it gets really personal fast and stays personal. It does. I don't even care who is involved. True confession is satisfied just to single yourself out. If it's a really a heart of confession, you don't really care who all was involved. You don't care really what else had happened. You don't care how big the party was, how many bad influences, how many things went on, what was the motivation. None of that really matters. Really all that matters is, is this me. I'm satisfied to bring my part to you, God, because I need covering. I need your forgiveness. I need forgiveness. I need your grace. And it don't really matter what the other 37 or the other 100. It don't really matter. And it don't matter if I wasn't the instigator. If I only had portions of thoughts in it, it's still just me. Or it's not true. It's not true confession. If you keep bringing all these other, other people in, it finds no comfort at all. I believe this with all my heart. But it finds no comfort at all in the sins of others. That's, that's not going to comfort your conscience, your soul. That's not going to give you the, the forgiveness you're looking for. You might point out 27 worst sins by everybody around you. These people that sit in churches all the time. They'll confess, doesn't confess their personal life because there's so many other worse. Well, preacher, I, he's worse than I am. It's not about the preacher. It's not about the deacon. It's not about who's sitting beside of you. It's about what God is doing. And do you really want covered? If we for confess our sins. If we confess our sins. If. If. There's not time to go down the list of everything you know. Name them off. It takes no sadness. It's no comfort in that at all, in the sin of others. Amen. I believe that. And along those same lines, true confession does not blame shift. Like Aaron was doing. <laughs> he started blame shifting in this story. Really quick, as these people, you know, he started blame shifting. Shifting it to someone else. Somebody else is going to put somebody under the bus. I want to tell you something. There's no covering in putting somebody else under the bus. There's no forgiveness in that. If you want forgiveness, let them deal with God. Let God deal with them. It's about you and God. It's about your life. It's about what's going on in your life. There's no blame shifting about it. There's no shifting about it. Amen. You can't load all of you can't do it. You can't load all of your sins on somebody else and, and have any sense of forgiveness. I can say it's David's fault and it's Marie's fault and it's Kevin's fault. And if it wasn't for them three, that doesn't forgive me. Me loading it all on you doesn't forgive me. I'm still loaded. 
I'm going to tell you something. There's only one can carry the load of your sin. There's only one that can bear it. And there's only one that can return forgiveness for what you lay upon him at the cross of Calvary. It's Jesus Christ. Him. Him crucified. His blood. It's only him. You can blame shift this world, this culture, the bad beat you got, the bad rap you got, the bad circumstances, the worst life ever, worst husband ever. If I had a husband like him or a wife like her, if I had this life, if this, if I had had a church like this, I get so tired of that. I've heard people say that a thousand times. You, honey, you you quit quit putting all that on whatever church or preacher or person. Jesus wants you to put it on Him. That's true confession. Glory. But putting it on Him. Laying all that on Him. Only Christ. Only Christ can handle such a load. And it's only Christ that can forgive it. I can tell tell you it's Davy Whitlock's fault. But that won't forgive me. And it probably was. (laughs) but I'll not be forgiven by going to to an altar and saying Lord it was Davy Whitlock's fault you know it (laughs) and the Lord says if we confess our sin if we confess our sin Davy is going to have to confess his own Lee's going to have to confess his. If we, if we, so it doesn't blame shift. Amen. And I believe this, and this is in a psalm that we won't have time to go to tonight because I'm running out of time already. I try to cut everything off and still run out of time. But here, here it, it acknowledges, I believe it's true confession. I believe it's all in my heart. True confession agrees with the wrong. That truth or God, or His Spirit points out. True confession just agrees with it. Totally agrees with it. It's like, it's like when the psalmist said, you know, my sin is forever upon my mind. It's continually upon my mind. It's always, it, he agrees with God that this is sin. This is the wrong. This is it. And he agrees I believe true confession must do that. True confession must 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 must, must see that and admit admit that it that it is my part, that it is me. Amen. Unlike Aaron, <laughs> Aaron was trying to dodge all of that. But it, this is a big point in this, and, and I, I want to share this because I feel like this is our culture. For sure. All the, all the, the only reason I'm preaching this particular story and not some of the other ones is because it is so down our lane in our culture. Church and world. Because the church ain't much different than the world when it comes to blame shifting. Throwing people under the bus. Come on. And the other things that we're discussing. Or, or not wanting to agree with God that it's wrong. Ain't much difference. It's right down the line. Amen. Ain't much difference. 
Amen. But I believe this tonight. This is a big one, I feel like. True, true, true confession is not trying, and this is a big culture thing. This is sometimes a big church thing. True confession is not trying to save face. Not worried about it. When it's true confession, you don't care. I'm not trying to save what my face. I'm not trying to save anything about me. Matter of fact, I'm trying to give it all to Jesus. I want to say this. I want to say this. I want to catch this. I'm not trying to save face. I'm trying to see his again. That's what I'm after. That's what true confession is really after. I don't care what I look like to any of you in those situations. It don't matter. Yeah, you're a pastor. Yeah, if I have missed it, I have missed it and I've missed it bad, I'm not worried about saving face. I'm worried about seeing his face next and see it. I'm not worried about mine. I know what it looks like. And if I'm just saving face, it's a facade anyway. It's a fake anyway. If I'm trying to be just like Saul and just for the people's sake, remember, he said that. He said, he said I've sinned. Now worship with me that the people may see. I'm trying to save face. Wasn't worried about seeing God's face again. And we know that he will lose that opportunity because he lost true confession. Ended up dealing with witches and all sorts of things. I believe that tonight. I believe true confession is not worried about it, what, what, what everybody's perceiving. Amen. Even if my sin is great, Romans 5.20 says grace is much more. Much more. And that's much more important to me. I got to hurry. I got to finish with these last two quickly. Come on even quick, Keith, so everybody will take a deep breath. But let, let me just let me just give you these two, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close, and then we'll have some altar time for true confession. But I believe this night, true confession is broken and contrite. Did you hear me? Broken and contrite. It's not just lame. It's not just lame. You know, I, I missed it. No, no, it's broken. It hurts. It's contrite. It's regretful, it's remorseful, it's repentive, it's sorrowful, it mourns, it mourns. That's true. It's not like, oh, you know, flipping, lame, I missed it. Huh. Amen. It's willing to do anything to reconcile. That's what broken and contrite really is. I'm desperate to be covered. Create in me again a clean heart. Restore unto me again this joy of myself. Redo me, God. I'm desperate. Don't care what I look like. It's true. It's true confession. True confession. Just agrees with God. Last, last one. Uh, I believe this. And I'm going to close with this thought. And I ain't got time to unpack it. As a matter of fact, I may 
This may be a, another part because this is really where it got big on me. But it's this, true confession. Listen to me because this is what our culture does not do and this is what the church culture does not do in our day. Overall, I'm not saying you, but overall, does not. True confession takes sin serious. I want you to hear that. It takes sin so serious. So serious. And Aaron took it not serious. Even with his response of even how the bull jumped out of the fire. Well, you know, Moses. Boom. No. True confession. It sees sin as serious. It knows that it costs, we know in the New Testament, it costs him the blood. The blood of his son. We know that sin is more horrific than any of our minds has ever known. It is. More devastating. More destructive. The end thereof is death. How serious? How serious? Separates you from you and your God. Forever. How serious? So serious it takes the atoning blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from the sin that's hell deserving. Hell deserving. Serious. True confession takes it serious. So serious. As we close, I want you to think about it. If we confess, if we confess, it don't just happen like Aaron's bull came out of the fire. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us all. There ain't nothing so bad in your life. That you can't confess sincerely, seriously, that he can't cover. He's got a cloth for whatever it is that's got you naked. He's got a cloth that's cut just for you. A cloth cut from grace that will cover, cover your life. It will. True confession moves under conviction. Under conviction. When there's conviction, it should move us to confession. That's God's grace. That's it. When we feel the weight and the heaviness 
of sin. That's his. And, and the fact that, 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 that we're not in hell. Let me tell you, conviction is not wrath. Conviction is not God being mad at you. Conviction is not God being mean to you. Conviction is not God being hard on you. Conviction is grace. Conviction is grace. Drawing you to a place of cleansing through confession. Without a doubt, one of the biggest things we can do in our practical fight against sin. What are you going to do with it? I've done told you, you can't put it on anybody else. You can't use flimsy explanations if we confess He's faithful. He's faithful.